Welcome to the Glow Up Effect podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Diana. Here at the Glow Up Effect, we're diving deep into mindset shifts, inspiration, and daily actions to help you thrive in your everyday. Let's get down to business and let's claim your glow up, girl. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Glow Up Effect podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with a long lost friend. We go way back, uh, Paula de la Calle. Say hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Um, I think it's kind of funny because we're doing this via Zoom right now and I had like a funny face while I'm introducing you because growing up, we didn't call you Paola at all. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel like it's um, everyone who knows me from back home is like, what is this Paola thing going on? Um, But yeah, I mean, some people who know, know my family know that my middle name is Paola. Um, And they know that my family calls me Paola. But growing up, having two names, going into school, I just like automatically got called Laura. Yeah. Um, But I always felt like more of a Paola. And I feel like as my artistic self, it's like my reclaiming of my identity. Yeah. We were very familiar in grade school. We've known each other since training bras, Laura and I, Laura Paola and I. Um, We did talent show together. Like we go way back. Um, so it's really exciting to reunite as adults and, you know, to really talk about your exploration as an artist, um, how much you pour into your craft and how it has evolved over the years. So I'm really excited because I think this is an avenue that is often kind of overlooked and kind of, um, underestimated. So yeah. excited to dive into that with you. So why wouldn't you just start off by telling us, you know, a little bit about yourself, who you are and what do you do? Yeah, so I'm Paula de la Calle. I'm a Colombian-American interdisciplinary artist. Um, My work deals with a lot of notions of home and identity, borders, and nostalgia. I'm based in San Francisco right now, but originally from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, Yeah, and I was just laughing the other day about how you and I did the talent show and we were dancing to 3LW with these, like, leather hats. You remember that? Yes. And yeah. we had like red shirts with like bell bottoms. A mess. So messy. Um, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, how did you like start to discover and feel like an artist? So was that something I feel like even thinking back to like grade school, you and I, like you were always like the girl with like really good art projects. <laughs> And like really creative nature. So I was like, oh, well, duh. But I wanted to know like if it was intuitive for you from the jump. Yeah, I think I always had an artistic part of myself and expressed myself creatively. Um, But I think earlier on, it was a lot of writing. So I was entering like Mm. poetry contests. I remember I did this like poem called Two Faced that won a bunch of awards, me being like my angsty teenage self. Um, And then yeah in high school I was in graphic design and that's really when I started like diving into more like political poster making and then Mm -hmm. um yeah then in college the entire time that I was in college I was working really hard trying to figure out what I wanted to do my parents were not about the artist's life they were even mad at my sisters that they were sociology majors Mm -hmm. and then when I decided to be a sociology major they were like what the hell like you guys are not going to make any money what are you thinking Um, And it wasn't until my senior year of college that I took a printmaking class because all of the graphic design classes were um, 
at capacity yeah that I then was like oh my god I made a mistake I should have been working on this the past four years like building a portfolio learning like all of these different kinds of materials um so I think it started really early but really my development in it and my um actual craft and understanding of the materials and kind of the history of art didn't start until late late later way into your adult life yeah well, that's kind of like fun because it, it sounds like it was almost like an accident that you came across it it was I remember like being in printmaking and just being like this is what I wanted to do like I love getting my hands dirty I love um there being like a whole process and then now that I'm working in a little bit more of a digital space I'm combining all of these different elements and it really feels like things are kind of starting to come together like I'm including poetry in my artwork I'm including mm -hmm. printmaking I'm including elements of graphic design um I love that so yeah I love that. How did you kind of come around to finally calling yourself an artist? Because like sometimes, for example, in college, you know, like, oh, I'm this major, like it feels like so like boxed in. Um, and then sometimes you graduate and then you don't do anything ultimately with it or you don't want to put any like titles around it. Like, how did you come around to be like, I am an interdisciplinary artist? Yeah. So when I graduated from college, I um, started, I was an art teacher in Memphis. Tennessee. It's funny how I ended up there, but I, I made, it, made it down to the South and I became an art teacher. And it was really while teaching young kids and like youth about art that mm -hmm. I was like, it's weird that I have this whole artistic practice and yet I'm only calling myself an educator. Like mm -hmm. it was like I wasn't honoring that part of myself. Um, so it was while working with kids that I was like, no, y'all, like I'm also an artist. I'm also a teacher. I can like take on all of these roles. Mm -hmm. um because we're not all one dimensional you know like we're not all one thing you're you're a podcaster but you're also a mom mm -hmm. you have all of these other elements that make up who you are um so i started calling myself an artist to kind of claim that identity and make that also something real for kids because it's like you're learning art i had all of these kids that were so creative um way more talented than I was and i was like you can make like a real career out of this if you're really passionate about it Mm -hmm. um so it kind of stemmed from my wanting to also empower young kids to claim ownership over their artistic selves and power nice um i wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience with exploration so like in your work you know how do you handle like touching new things because you mentioned you start including like poetry in your work and stuff like that so like thinking of adding like typography and stuff and how do you realize when like a piece is good or bad? Like how do you come across that moment? Yeah, I think for ex exploration, it's really become something that's like part of my studio practice. Mm. So when I'm, and by studio, I really mean my bedroom, like I'm sitting in it right now. Mm. Um, when I step into the space of like, okay, I'm gonna make something, I'm gonna explore, I'm going into it with the mentality of just exploration and playing um and really being in quarantine has kind of really helped that process a lot more of me just being like i have some time i can sit here and i can stare at things i can move things around i can dye fabric and just try it and see what happens and if i mess up that's a lesson that i learned mm -hmm. um and i approach when i'm working on a piece and kind of realizing like oh man this is not going 
the way that I thought it was supposed to be going. And it's quote unquote, like a bad piece. Um, as just like part of the learning process. I cut things out, I use them for later. Um, there's no like failing in my art practice right now, the way that I see it, because I use a lot of the same materials over and over again. Mm. Or I like cut and paste. So for me, finding a mistake and realizing like I'm not moving forward with this idea, really what that does is it sparks new ideas. It creates a new project. Um, it informs other decisions that I'm making in another piece that I'm working on at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sometimes you make shitty things and it's like, <laughs> that was not at all how I wanted it to be. Um, and I think I've tried to be a little bit more okay with just being like, okay, I'm taking this apart and I'm setting this idea away for a while so that the next time that I can come at it, I'm coming at it with new eyes and like mm-hmm. a new understanding of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And walking yeah. away from things and coming back to them with like fresh eyes, like how you said, helps so much sometimes in the process because um, you just need that space. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, I'll, sometimes I'm working on a piece and it doesn't show up in my work again like five years later. I have this series of collages that are over a map of South America and there's a piece in it that's like a relief print that I made in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make the collages now that have been some of my work that has been displayed in more galleries than any other of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been like pretty successful pieces. I made those in, at the end of 2019. Yeah. And that was just like one day me playing, exploring, right? And cutting this out because it was a print that I made that I didn't love. So yeah. I never showed it to anyone. It, it was just like living and existing in my studio until one day I was like, I'm going to do something with this. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I know you mentioned earlier that a lot of your work revolves around like home and nostalgia. And recently, um, you had posted a piece that was like regarding like your parent, your childhood car, and it had all these images. And literally, I saw it and I was like, I can envision it so clearly. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. I was like, thank you for sharing this piece. Um, Cause like I said, I rode back there a couple times on my way yeah. to the college show. <laughs> I'm like, you probably remember that car. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about like how you incorporate so much of your personal story um, into your art. Yeah, I think for me, art has really been a way, and I think for a lot of artists, it's just like a way of exploring your feelings. I'm someone who feels really deeply and really intensely. Um, And I'm always like in my feelings and writing and, you know, just trying to figure out um, how to process things. And art for me has been like a really useful source. It's like my form of therapy. Um, And I think as I've grown older and been able to like analyze different pieces of my life and um, especially having my background in sociology, art has helped me kind of pick apart aspects of my childhood that maybe I didn't quite understand but now I have like a a theory or um I read something that connected so I'm able to kind of dive in from all of these different angles um and I really can only talk about myself right so like my art for me is really personal and what I think is really dope about it is that other people can connect and see it too Mm -hmm. which just kind of shows us like the threads we have amongst each other Mm -hmm. Um, 
which it sounds really corny, but it's true, you know, like we, we're not all so different. And I think art sometimes is a way that we can build those connections and be like, oh my God, like I also had Polly Pockets or mm -hmm. um, I rode in that car. Or, yeah, I'm just thinking about how we have very similar shared experiences and by sharing artwork that's really personal to me, um, I'm able to build those connections. Yeah, I love that. I really love the the collage pieces you've shared. Um, and I personally, I have like a love, like an aesthetic um, appeal to my eye and my heart. Like I love looking at collage. Like it's just, it's so exciting to me. Um, I like, I could just rip magazines apart all day, right? That's, <laughs> that's my um, unartistic level of collage, but I love your work and your collage pieces. Um, Thank you. We'll plug your website and stuff in a second, but... <laughs> Um, I wanted to kind of jump in and talk about like, you know, having been, you know, originally from Cambridge, Boston area, and then you went to school in New York, mm -hmm. so and you, spring. you were kind of home for a little bit. And then, you know, just being in Tennessee and being in San Francisco now, like, do you find that like traveling and kind of being in different areas has impacted your work or um, has impacted you being able to build community um, as an artist? Yeah. I mean, I think just being someone who um, like grew up in this country uh, and grew up on the East Coast. I had a lot of opinions about the South um, mm. that were not great opinions and were kind of just based in stereotypes and misunderstandings and having lived there and like built community there. You know, I, I was working in a school, like I knew a lot of families um, and leaving, I definitely felt like I was leaving a piece of myself there, but I think that that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And what it's really taught me is like home is whatever you make it and you can find home in people more so than places. Mm -hmm. um, and I think more than it's impacted my practice, it's impacted me as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and just like building up community, I partially left or an artistic community. I partially left Memphis because um, I wasn't finding that there and I was in uh -huh. shows, but there's this, there's this time where I was in this group show and I had invited all of my friends. I was like, oh my God, y'all, like I'm gonna be in the show. It's so dope. Like it was one of my first shows ever. Um, and I was showing this piece that I had just recently made um, called Madre, Madre Tierra. Mm -hmm. And so Mother Earth, right? And it's this really beautiful lino cut. It's like a, um, it's like women's breasts, but it's also like nature coming out of it. Um, and I go into the show and I can't find it anywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, I just invited all of these people. Where is my piece? Finally, I find it in like this dark corner with the <laughs> name translated. It's called Tropical Bus, not Madre Tierra anymore. And I was like, what? Like, what is this? So I took a Sharpie and I like scratched that off and wrote the title, yeah. the actual title that I had named it. Um, but that was just like one example of how the artistic community there was not super welcoming of the kind of art yeah. that I was making. Um, and like really kind of pushed me out and made me kind of consider where it was that I wanted to live and what kind of artistic community I wanted to be a part of. Wow. I can't believe they completely renamed your piece. Yeah. Tropical yeah. Bus. So upset. And I was so embarrassed too. I was like, ah, I invited all these people. Oh my goodness. But it was a learning experience. It sounds like. Um, mm -hmm. and it sounds like it was also able to kind of navigate you to where you are now. In a yeah. Sense. 
Um, so I want to ask you, like, do you believe that in art community or having community in whatever kind of what your passion is, is important? Yeah, I think it's essential. I don't, um, I think sometimes we have this myth or like theory that artists work in isolation. And a lot of the times I do, like I'm in the studio by myself, I'm like cranking things out, but I'm also sharing things with friends and asking them for feedback. Um, I wouldn't be showing at different galleries and spaces if I wasn't making those connections and trying to like really build that community. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know of opportunities if it wasn't me trying to connect with other artists. Um, and you don't know everything, you know? So I think the bigger the community that you build, the more you can share resources and tools with one another. Um, I'm like a really firm believer in like, you need people and you need people to support you and you need to support other people, you know? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Cause I was wondering, you know, I, but going back to the idea that, you know, art can be isolating because, you know, you're working on your piece by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the end of the day, it's gonna be your name um, under the piece. Um, so I was really curious about that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I kind of wanted to touch upon it real quick. Like in earlier, you mentioned that you work with different materials and kind of like highlight that for us. Like what kind of materials do you typically work with? Um, and do you find that as an artist, like sometimes investing in materials can be like burdensome or nerve wracking because, you know, you don't want to mess it up or, you know, I don't even, I can't even imagine like the scale of things that you might need on your like shopping list for materials, but kind of like explore that so the listeners can kind of get a view of your work. Yeah. So I think I work with a lot of different materials. I'm I used to call myself exclusively like a printmaker, mm -hmm. not an interdisciplinary artist. And that's when I was working with like wood blocks and lino cuts and like carving into them. Mm -hmm. um, so using ink, wood, paper, and then like a wooden spoon to kind of make the whole work happen. Um, and now I've been kind of diving into more collage work. So still paper-based, um, but also introducing a lot of digital aspects. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll take paper collages, upload them into Photoshop, tweak them, play around with them, and then I'll print them on fabric. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been actually something that's pretty new. I've been printing work on fabric for maybe like two, maybe a year, um, two years, but two years ago it was more so to like sell things. Um, and now I'm kind of exploring it more so in the fabric telling a piece of the story and how mm -hmm. different materials can like, have their own personal feelings when people approach them or see them or touch them. So now I'm working a lot with fabric and embroidering and um, using thread to like sew on paper. So yeah, I'm mixing a lot of things. And I think exploration is like really the main, the main subject or the main word that you can use for it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's just part of me trying to figure out what the best ways to tell the message that I'm trying to tell in any given piece. Sometimes it's best told with paper. Sometimes it's best told through a print. Sometimes it's better told just online and existing in a digital space. Love that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, you know, this idea that society has of like the starving artist, like how, what's your views on that? Oh, you know, <laughs> I hope that that's not true. I like, I'm reading this book right now called The $12 Million Stuffed Shark mm -hmm. um, that 
basically just talks about how fucked up the art world is and the art market mm-hmm. and how artists will sell their work for like $2,000, $6,000. And then depending on like art dealers and the market itself, um, it's then sold for like hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. And the artist doesn't see any part of that. Wow. And how a lot of artists that are really successful are just really successful at like kind of giving into capitalism and just branding themselves and marketing themselves in a way where they are part of their art. Mm. Um, and I obviously have my issues with that because I'm like, it should just be about the art. Yeah. Um, but I would love to make this something that I, that can fund my life and help mm. me live comfortably. Um, and I'm not there yet. I'm still working on it. So I wouldn't call myself a starving artist because I think it's like a myth that we romanticize. Like mm. oh, it's just like the struggle and you just got to yeah. hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, and then it's not till you're dead that people appreciate you. Yeah. So I really, I don't love it. I don't love that um, phrase. Yeah, and that I came out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like that I was not in the notes. <laughs> Um, but thank you. Thank you. I just, um, yeah, I'm trying to like pick your brain and get a lot of, um, uh, angles from yeah. you know, your personal perspective. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, do you believe that becoming an artist has been a part of your glow up? Yeah, I think, I think part of my glow up has been my understanding that like, this is an ongoing thing. Like the, I don't think you've reached like a point where you're like, this is it. This is fully glowed up. You know, I think um, part of my glow up is that I am now um, more serious about my artwork and thinking about ways that I can be like a student in the arts forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I like definitely believe that I'm like a lifelong learner and there's a lot of things that I don't know, but I'm interested in knowing more and I'm actively taking steps to learn more about different kinds of materials, different artists, movements, um, the way that the art world works, if this is something that I'm interested in stepping into. So I definitely think being an artist, my, my claiming of myself as an artist is part of that glow up. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, what would be your glow tip for the listeners? My glow tip. Ooh. I would say. Oh, what would I say? No, there's no right or wrong <laughs> answer here. <laughs> I would say if you're passionate about something, keep going. And I don't know. I think people share that all the time. But like, if you're really passionate about something and you want to make, you want to take it seriously. Um, keep going and figure out ways to fit it into your life even when you feel like it doesn't. So like something Mm. that I do um, is if I don't have time to make work or I don't have time to be in the studio, I'm like, okay, I have this podcast about artists and artist interviews that I listen to. Mm. Like that can be something that inspires me or helps me come up with new work. Um, I can read, I can watch documentaries about artists, you know, like, really trying to absorb everything that I can even if the the time to make art hasn't presented itself and I think that that applies for like almost anything you know Mm -hmm. be about it yeah love that thank you 
this is also not in the notes, but I really wanted to ask you quickly um, on social media. You had sh uh, shared, you know, about a piece that moved you so thoroughly. Yes, Elian. Yeah, go ahead. You're interrupting me. Anyways, mom and podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I usually cut the stuff off. But I think I'm starting to think people like it. Go ahead, Elian. Goodbye. I'm talking. No. Okay, come here. Brief intro. <laughs> No, that's fine. For, for Walsh's fruit snack. Have you done the fruit snack challenge with him? No, I haven't. Mostly because I think he's smart enough to... To know. No. And I don't think he'll do anything cute like Stormy Jenner. Yeah. <laughs> um, so cute. I'm like, I need to be her because I eat it. Same. Um, okay, so I'll start over. <clears throat> I wanted to ask you about, you know, have you ever encountered a piece that moved you so thoroughly, you know, and so deeply that it made you cry? I saw you share about this on social media. So I wanted you to share it with us and the listeners um, to really kind of dive into that uh, emotional piece that art can move. Yeah. So I was studying abroad in Madrid. And I, okay, first of all, I had no, I, I, this is how much of a student of art I wasn't, is I didn't really understand, um, like, all of the art movements. I didn't know who were, like, the key players. Obviously, we know, like, Picasso and Salvador Dali, but I, I didn't even know that they, that, like, Picasso was Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going into this museum. I don't even know what pieces are in the museum. And I stumble upon Guernica which is this piece that Picasso painted um, during the Spanish Civil War that um, after Franco had bombed um, this small town of Guernica. And it's just this image. It's this black, white, gray, cubist painting, massive, like the whole wall of, the, of one of the rooms in the museum. I didn't know what the piece was called. I didn't know who had painted it. I didn't know anything, but I remember walking into that room and just feeling super heavy mm. and crying and it moved me. And it was yeah. kind of a point where I was like, wow, like art can do this, you know? And I was someone who was passionate about art, was interested in the arts, was making art, um, but had never had that experience before. And like Pablo Picasso, you learn about him and he's like a huge asshole womanizer <laughs> like not a great person um but his artwork was really transformative for me in that moment I like got a tattoo about it when mm -hmm. I got back to the states um and I'd never had art do that for me before and I yeah so now I'm like art has the power to literally transform people to change to change your day um in your life I got it tattooed on my body yeah it's a big deal <laughs> You know, I, I didn't that. even tell my mom. I was just like, <laughs> sent her a picture and was like, mommy, look what I got. It's vintage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I really like that story because it shows like, like you said, like the imprint it had on you that you literally were like, I need to carry a piece of this with me forever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I wanted to, to wrap up things. I wanted to ask, you know, what advice would you have for people who have multiple passions and like try to incorporate it into nuggets of their life and kind of are wishy-washy about wanting to pursue it full on, mm -hmm. but are kind of feeling like a little stagnant. Um, kind of like, what would you recommend to help them tap into that passion and just like say F it? Yeah. I mean, I'm all about exploring, figuring things out, read about it, 
listen to podcasts, listen to everything that you can absorb as much as you can. Cause I think what you start to do when you learn a lot about something is you start to be like, Oh, actually that's not what I thought that it was or, Mm -hmm. Oh, Whoa, I didn't know that that's what it was about. And now I want to dive in a little bit more. Um, and I don't think we have to choose one path. I think we're multifaceted people. We have different interests and it's important to be like real with yourself and understand that you're not just like one thing and you have to be that one thing, but really you're like pieces of a lot of different things in your experience and your lived experiences um, and stories that people have shared with you. So I would really say keep studying, um, share it with other people. I think sometimes we're so scared of like what other people are going to say or how they're going to take it or like judgment that other people are going to have. So we don't tell people like, Oh, I've been really interested in like photography and I want to start taking more photographs or I've been secretly writing this chapter book that I've told no one about, you know, because you need community. You need people who are going to support you. You need someone who's going to be like, I would love to read it. Like if you need someone to help you like edit it, let me know. Or I know an editor. Um, Mm -hmm. I know someone who publishes zines independently, you know, so I think share it with people, learn and give yourself the time and space to really work on your craft. Um, because you're only going, it's only going to be as good as you give it time. Yeah. You give it effort. I think sharing is a big part of what holds people back because Mm -hmm. people are so caught up in feeling rejected or feeling judged. In terms of your art, have you like encountered that? Oh my God, all the time. I literally have a fear every time I like, launching. put up new, <laughs> yes, every time I put up new artwork, anytime I'm working on something new. Um, and I have my people that I go to, you know, where I'm like, what do you think? Or um, like, give me some feedback. But yeah, I mean, part of it for me is like, if I'm posting something new on like, let's say Instagram, I'll like do it. And then I put my phone away and I'm like, don't give yourself that anxiety, girl. Like put it away. Don't look at it for like another couple hours. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And just being okay. Or like if I submit to an open call, um, I'm someone who like loves to start things early. So if an open call is starting, is it the deadline isn't for two more months. I'm like starting right now Mm -hmm. and I'm, exhausting myself the amount of times that I've read my artist statement or like looked at the pieces that I'm going to submit and then like day of I literally just hit submit I like don't even reread it because it gives me so much anxiety Mm. I'm just like ah, there it goes like into the world bye yeah (laughs) yeah um there was one last thing I wanted to ask you now I can't remember I spaced out because you did this little thing we were like into the world (laughs) um what was I gonna ask you Jesus I might just not ask you anymore hold on oh um so lastly, I want to ask you, how, how is it receiving feedback? Like, you're not always going to hear feedback you want to hear. So mm-hmm. how is that? And how is it able to like fluidly, you know, transpire into your work? Or do you just decide you don't want to take that advice? Because that's an option as well. Oh, yeah, it's definitely an option. And I've definitely <laughs> taken that route. If I like, if one, the feedback is like unsolicited. Mm. And I'm like, mm, I don't know that I like, that's the direction that I'm trying to take that in. Um, but I think I also, it's like, who is it coming from? Right. Is it from someone that I trust? Is it from someone who's, um, 
who's coming and approaching the feedback in a way that's like super constructive. Mm -hmm. Um, and like posing questions is a really great way to give people feedback, right? To like have them talk about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it and why they made those choices. Because then if I'm stumbling and I'm like, oh, like I didn't think about that, you know, now that's like, oh, whoa, that's something that I can take back into the studio and be like, consider this now that you're working and like with that question in mind. Um, but I think feedback is really important. And I think the reason why it's hard is because we don't like critiques, right? And feedback yeah. sometimes feels like a critique of our work or our effort, or we're like, well, you don't know how much time I spent on this. And now you want mm -hmm. me to like go back and you don't even understand the process, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think sometimes we need to check our defensiveness because mm -hmm. if the feedback is good, it's gonna make you go back and do more work. Um, mm -hmm. but I also think sometimes like people have their opinions, especially with art, art is super subjective. Mm -hmm. Some people might be like too much color. Someone might be like not enough color. Um, and not everyone is going to like wh what you're doing. Some people are going to be like, I don't get it. And that's fine yeah. too. You know, I think, yeah. um, what I've kind of learned by putting my work out there is like, it's awesome when people vibe with your work and they're taking pictures of it and they're asking you questions. And then it's also really okay for the people that are like, look at your work and they're like, nope. And then they stay in front of somebody else's artwork. You know, it doesn't discount what you've done. It just means that they don't vibe with it. How is it to be at art shows and having people ask you about your work? Yeah. I mean, I try to stay away from my work and like look at it from afar. Like I'm like, stalking people. I'm not the creator. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not stuck. I'm, I'm just like stalking from afar. Um, I've had people ask me questions. It's cool. I think, um, as an artist, something that I know that I need to get better at is talking about my work and being able to just like answer random questions about it. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I'm so in my head and I think most artists are in their head and they're just like, what do you mean? You don't get it. What do you mean? You have that question. Like, isn't it clear? Um, so it's definitely nerve wracking. It's gotten better. I get like crazy anxiety, like want to poop myself anxiety before mm -hmm. a show. Like I'm like, oh my God, this yeah. is so stressful. <laughs> um, TMI. But yeah, it's like part of it. And yeah. I think, it, yeah. And it's like cool to see people responding to your work. Like I love catching people taking pictures of my work. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. I do that when I go out and like see work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's cool to be in that space and be able to engage in that way, even if it is just like me stalking from a corner. <laughs> I love that yeah because I was trying to think you know like the like you said like the vibe like watching behaviors in a room and how people interact so I was really curious about that but thank you so much for all the awesome you know perspective and details and experiences that you shared with us today if the listeners would like to check you out where can they find you yeah so you can find me on literally everywhere on Instagram or actually not everywhere. You can find me on Instagram at Paula de la Calle, all one word, or my website, pauladelacalle.com. And I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not on Twitter. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter. Like, I'm not on like, any of these things. I'm like, I have a website. And Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glove Effect Podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you love this episode, please share with your friends and family and tell them to check out the Glow Up Effect. 
Lastly, if you don't already, please check me out on Instagram at The Glow Up Effect. 